When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Thank you for reading the sermon passage for today. And again, that was Luke chapter 1, verse 57 through 66 in the NIV version. And this is the passage immediately following the passage uh, we dealt with last week. Um, and here um, we're talking about the birth of John the Baptist, um, whose mother was Elizabeth, Mary's the mother of Jesus's cousin. And as we talked about last week, um, they spent time with each other, uh, sharing in their common experience of being with child. Um, and Elizabeth uh, blesses Mary for being favored uh, among all women um, from God. And um, when she greeted Mary, uh, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt with joy. So we're going to move um, here to the birth and naming of John the Baptist, um, the son of Elizabeth and Zechariah. But before that, let me pray for us to get started. God, thank you for your word and thank you that you are shaping us as your body, as your community, as your family around your word and your Holy Spirit moving through your word to do a work of transformation in each of us as individuals, in us as a community, and through us um, with our neighbors and our neighborhood, our city, um, all our spheres of influence. And we pray that as we wait here for the advent of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, may we wait um, with intentionality, may we wait um, uh, with courage and boldness and hope, with peace, faith, joy and love in our hearts uh, be with us in this time as we celebrate in your name amen what's in a name what's in a name actually this is a famous quote uh in the play romeo and juliet by william shakespeare what's in a name a rose by any other name would smell as sweet if romeo were were he not Romeo called, blah, 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 and memorize the rest of that. But what's in a name? In that case, Juliet is saying, nothing is a name. If you were named something else, you would still be the man I love. But what is in a name? Names have meaning. And many parents invest much thought and prayer, maybe, and, uh, um, kind of idea brainstorming um, in order to name their kids, right? My parents named us siblings, Samuel, 
David, that's me, and Esther. All good, solid, boring, in my opinion, biblical names, right? David is so boring. Why is Dave? Hey, David. Like, that's the most boring name in the world. I, I actually saw a survey, a stat that said the number one name for boring but faithful husbands is David, right? If you want someone you can count on who won't, who'll be consistent and steady and boring and good and remain faithful, that's David. But David didn't change the world. No Davids were on the dance floor burning it up, right? So that's another issue of mine. I, I wish I had a different name. But anyways, my parents all gave us biblical names. They have, you know, they're good, solid. My dad is a pastor. We're all pastor's kids, PK. So of course we would have biblical name, Old Testament names, right? Um, but David, even though it's boring, it actually is very meaningful to me, the, the, the meaning behind David. And the real meaning of David is beloved. And I'll tell you a bit uh, more later about how profound uh, this has been for me. But when Janice and I were processing what we would name Isaiah, uh, we actually came, had settled down to three top names, top contenders. And those were, the first two were Calvin and Wesley, right? Calvin and Wesley, great leaders of two streams of Protestantism, right? Maybe you would say conflicting streams or different streams, uh, but we liked both of them. Um, so we couldn't decide between the two, Calvin or Wesley, Calvin or Wesley, um, until we finally were like, let's just call him Calvin Wesley or Wesley Calvin, you know, make one of them his middle name. But then we thought about how much we loved, actually, I thought about how much I loved the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And actually, a passage in Isaiah was used as the, the main scripture passage in our wedding. But the name Isaiah literally means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. And it literally means Yahweh saves, and it has meaning because this book and this prophet, this name of this prophet, encompasses our journey in life, the hope and longing for fulfillment in Jesus Christ, the one who saves, right? The book itself has prophecy and prophecy and prophecy talking about the Messiah, the coming Messiah, he who will come, Jesus Christ, the saving one. And this hope and this longing um, is the theme in Advent, right? During Christmas time. And this is why Isaiah is used in the season of Advent and much of the liturgy and much of our readings because it's pointing towards God's promises. Isaiah points towards God's promises and a coming one, Jesus, who would come uh, to save the world of its sins. Um, this is the hope and longing of Advent. And this is why Isaiah plays such a prominent role in the liturgy of Advent, as well as in the birth narratives of Jesus. God saves, amen. And this is good news. So that's Isaiah's name. 
And if you spent any time in the Bible, you know the naming of children and, the, and names have great importance, right? And meaning. They give context and meaning into the journey of God's people with God, right? They point to God's mercy, God's strength, God's justice, God's deliverance, God's faithfulness, God's promises. If you remember Hagar, right? Hagar was a servant of Sarah, um, who was the wife of Abram, Abraham. Hagar names her son that she has with Abraham, Ishmael, which means God will hear. Um, and she names Ishmael God will hear because she's been cast out, right? Sarah cast her out out of jealousy because uh, Sarah has been unable to have a child. Um, and then Abraham has a child through Hagar. And so Sarah gets jealous and she gets angry and she casts Hagar out. And God says, oh, Abraham wants to stop him. Stop that. But God says, let that, let it go. And so Hagar's in the wilderness, weeping and crying, cast out. And she names her son Ishmael, which means God will hear. And then later on in the story, she name, gives a name, another name for, for God, for what she calls God, which is El Roy, meaning God who sees me. God who sees me. Right? God will hear and God who sees me. Those are powerful names, right? How many times in our own life have we realized that God hears us personally, hears our cries, hears our prayers? Or have we, have we realized that God is the one who truly sees? God sees me in the deepest parts of me. God sees. Amen. Um, names in the Bible are about origins and fulfillment. They're about where a person comes from, what family, and they're about what will be, what can be the fulfillment of God's promises to a people, to a family, to an individual. Names are identity and destiny. The name Abraham means father of many, right? This is God's promise to Abraham that you will be a father of nations. And that's what his very name means. Some of them, some names aren't as serious, right? Jacob means ankle grabber, right? As he was coming out of the womb, he was grabbing his older brother, his twin brother's ankle because he wanted to be first. And Esau, his brother, means hairy because he was a hairy baby, I guess, and when he grew up, he was a hairy man. But even these two seemingly silly names play into their drama and the struggle for birthright and blessing and promise, the, the struggle of Jacob to be an ankle grabber, to manipulate, to try to earn uh, the birthright of the eldest son, even though he was the younger son. Jesus or Yeshua in Hebrew means deliverer, um, as in you will name Jesus, you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus Christ, Christ was the formal name for the Jewish Messiah. Jesus Christ meant Jesus, the coming king, Jesus king, 
And since Jesus is the saving one, Jesus Christ means the saving king. Matthew calls Jesus Emmanuel, meaning God with us, right? The incarnation of God among his people. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So these namings in scripture often point towards a promise, a life or a reality that will one day be what we hope for in the future. This is realization of promise, the realization of prophecy, the realization of identity, the realization of destiny. Um, this, all of this stuff is captured by the word fulfillment. Everyone say fulfillment, fulfillment. Names reflect the hoped for fulfillment of God's promises. And this is a theme in the Gospel of Luke uh, where we find our story. And definitely in the first um, chapters, the birth narrative, uh, the first chapters of Luke. Throughout Luke, the themes of promise and fulfillment repeats themselves. It's, it's common, uh, fulfillment, this idea of fulfillment in Luke. This theme begins in chapter one with the promises spoke by the angel to Zechariah. And in our text, we see that the angel's predictions or prophecies to Zechariah are fulfilled in the birth of John. So we see in chapter, if you look back in your Bible on chapter one, verse 13b, the angel says, in visiting Zechariah, the, the husband of Elizabeth, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And then our text today, one, chapter 1, verse 57, begins by starting with, um, with Elizabeth giving birth to a son. And the, the same root is there, Ganeo, 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 in one thirteen and one fifty seven, giving birth to a son. So there's a fulfillment of um, the prophecy of the angel given to Zechariah. Then the angel, if you remember, um, when the angel visits Zechariah, also said, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. And that's 1.14. And actually, in our passage, at when John the Baptist is born, as Elizabeth's neighbors and relatives gather around, and it says that they're in awe, and they rejoiced with her. That's chapter 1. Verse 58, right? So remember, the angel visits Zechariah and says, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him John. And Zechariah was dubious, was doubted that. It was like, oh my gosh. And the backstory is that Elizabeth and Zechariah could not have children. And that was their greatest longing to have children. And they couldn't have children. So the events in our passage happen as a fulfillment of the angel's annunciation and visitation given to Zechariah earlier in the chapter. But Zechariah was dubious. He did not believe. He's like, if that can't happen, we can't have children and we're old. Just like Abraham and Sarah, right? Sarah, when Isaac was born, laughs. When when, when the angel comes and says, you're going to give birth to a son, 
Ha ha ha, I am so old. And Isaac's very name means he who laughs, right? He who laughs. And um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a parallelism here because Zachariah is do, doesn't believe. And so the angel strikes him mute, makes him mute and probably deaf. We're not sure. And so Zachariah can't speak. And the angel says, until the what I say to you is fulfilled, you will not be able to speak. And then in our passage, we see that it's fulfilled, right? John the Baptist is born and everyone's wondering, what's, your name? what's his name going to be? And in the Jewish culture, on the eighth day, a male baby is circumcised and also at that time named and according to our passage it seems we can glean that it's very common it's very normal it's very orthodox for the son to be named after his father so everyone expects on this eighth day on the circumcision of the child and the naming of the child everyone expects this new child this born this miracle baby Right? To be named after his father, Zechariah. You know, it would fit. Actually, Zechariah means Yahweh remembers. God remembers. Right? That's a name that would be quite appropriate for Zechariah and Elizabeth. As God, through the birth of this baby, is demonstrating that he remembers them in their old age. And has given them a son. But what does Mary or Elizabeth say? Elizabeth says no. Right? Elizabeth says no. His name is not going to be Zechariah. His name will be John. And everyone's like, this comes out from left field. What? John? Not Zechariah? And John is the name that the angel told Zechariah to name the child. So either Zechariah uh, told her somehow or the angel told her. Um... Somehow she knew that the name was to be John. No, he is to be called John. And the people say to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name, right? You have Michael, you have David, you have Stephen, you have Tristan, you have Cody. You know, you have Cody the first, Cody the second, Cody the third, but no one's named John. And so the people turn away. Maybe Elizabeth is crazy. We're not going to listen to her. We need to get confirmation from the father. So verse 62, then they made signs to his father. Hey, he's mute. He can't talk, but she's trying to take over this name. Let's make sure we, we get, the, we get uh, what the father wants, right? Then they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child. 63, he asked for a writing tablet. And he starts scribbling. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And immediately when he, after he writes, his name is John, what the angel said came to pass. Right? His mouth opens, his tongue was set free, the scripture says, and he began to speak, praising God. And there again, here's this, the steam of praising God, right? When God comes in fulfillment, 
when we've been waiting in an anticipation. And for him, he's been waiting in, in deafness and muteness, unable to speak, and suddenly he's set free by the birth, the fulfillment through the birth of his son, John. He begins praising God, right? And all the neighbors were filled with awe when Jesus comes, when God makes his presence known, people are filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered. There's awe. There's wonder. What do we awe and wonder at as people? Do we awe and wonder at things that we know, that we have knowledge of, that we can control, that's habit or ritual that's easy to understand no when we're in awe and wonder it's things that we don't understand that we can't control that are amazing to us that happen because they're beyond us they're bigger than us they're out of our hands what our hands can do and we stand in awe of those things and we say whoa that's a miracle or whoa only god could have done that or whoa that's that's amazing. I can't explain it. The things that are mysterious, the things that are powerful and wonder are the things that we stand in awe of. And all the people in all the hill country of Judea were talking about this. Did you hear who was born? Did you hear what happened? Did you hear about the priest Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth and this child? Did you hear? People are in awe. Good news is spreading. Powerful things. Things unheard of. And everyone who heard this wondered about it saying, what then is this child going to be? Right? There's that destiny piece, right? What's in a name? And in John, John's name, right? In the naming of John, it's not normal it's unorthodox right we're not going to name him zachariah we're not going to name him like someone else in the family we're going to name him what the angel told us right john and what does john mean what does john mean people john means uh john is short for johanan or jehohanan and it means god shows favor Right? God has been gracious. And these are also fitting names uh, for this miracle child. But this theme of God's mercy and favor and joy runs throughout. Uh, we remember from last week, mercy. Mercy. As the people are celebrating and as the people are filled with joy here in this passage, um, as the people are filled with joy, um, in verse 58, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared in her joy, right? This theme of great mercy. And actually in John chapter one, uh, mercy is repeated, Luke chapter one, mercy is repeated multiple times. This theme occurs throughout the opening chapter of Luke in one verse 50 and verse 54. Here in verse 58, in verse 72 and 78, God's great mercy, the steam of God's great mercy. So no, not only are 
is Elizabeth taking joy. Um, the people are celebrating with joy because of this birth, not just because of the birth, but there's joy because of God's great mercy, right? Because of God's grace. And John's name means God has been gracious. Isn't that amazing? That what brings us joy is the mercy of God, the grace of God, right? That we were once sinners, that we have lived in sin, or that we were once in darkness and a light shone and God came to the earth. Jesus Christ is coming and John would be the one to prepare the way demonstrated God's graciousness and God's mercy for the whole world. And this is good news. And when you hear good news, you celebrate. Amen. So I talked about how I'm named David and David means beloved. And you know, there are different times in my life where I really didn't feel, I haven't felt beloved. I haven't felt my name. I haven't been, I haven't lived into my name. There have been times that I've, like hard times when I've lost friends or experienced separation or been isolated or gone through hard times where I actually felt the opposite of beloved. Like maybe I've felt in my life rejected or outcast or isolated or lonely or not loved. She does not love me. They do not love me. They do not want me around, right? And these are not of God, amen? Sometimes we go through life and we allow evil, the evil one, to tell us what our name is, to tell us who we are or to give us phrases. I am foolish. I am stupid. I'm a mess up. I'm a failure. I'm unloved, I'm sick, I'm this, I'm that. That's not from God. God gives us a name, a true name for us to live into. And he is bringing about the fulfillment of our identity, our destiny in him, right? And the times that I feel not loved or rejected, actually God has Use those times to whisper into me, you are actually my beloved, David, beloved. Do you know that deeply? You know, going back to names, actually, I have another sibling. I actually had a twin brother. Uh, I was born a twin. My twin died in infancy. And my parents named us David and Jonathan, which is really cool if you think about it because David and Jonathan in the Bible uh, were really good friends. Uh, and uh, you know, you have uh, all those Bible studies that you go through that talk about friendship in the Bible and David and Jonathan is a great example of friendship, right? Friendship between two men, right? Jonathan was uh, the son of Saul. And then once Saul had a, went crazy and had a falling out with David and was out to get David. You know, Jonathan helped David out, but he was caught between the anger of his father and loyalty to his father and his friendship with David, right? And so I always think about that. What if 
Jonathan had not died? What if Jonathan had lived? We would be David and Jonathan, two good friends, right? Friends. And actually in scripture, it's Jonathan who dies, who falls on his own sword, right? With Saul and dies. And David moves on mourning the loss of Jonathan. And there are times that in my life where even though I don't remember, I was a baby, right? I don't remember Jonathan. I don't remember him. But I imagine I internally somewhere, I remember the connection with him in my mother's womb, right? Because I've always felt something a little missing, right? Some connection that's missing or incomplete, right? In my life, there was no explanation, but I feel that incompleteness. And one time when I was at one of those retreats where you're having those prayer, repentance, turnaround moments, um, someone was praying for me and this, this person said, have you ever thought about asking God why he took Jonathan away? And I'm not here to talk about why we suffer and why good people die or innocent people die, right? God didn't make Jonathan die so that I could do this or that, right? Bad things happen. Suffering happens in the world. But God can use tragedy to shape us and form us after the fact, right? And so, okay, I'll ask that question. What did it mean? What does it mean now for me that John, you took Jonathan away? So I, I, I took a week to pray about that. I prayed about that. And as I was sitting in prayer, I just heard uh, a voice or an impression so that you will seek me so that you will seek me and i've every once in a while i think about that like when i feel that emptiness or i feel that i'm missing something or i feel uh, lonely or separated i turn to god i pray or i turn to scripture I seek after God because I remember that phrase, so that you will seek me. You are my beloved, David, and that's what your name means. And when you don't experience beloved, seek after me. And I will tell you, I love you. What's in a name, right? God gives us all, each new names. So I want to take some time. The reason that we asked during the greeting time, what does your name mean? Right? What is God calling you right now? What is God naming you right now? In the midst of all the things we tell ourselves or all the hard stuff we're experiencing, maybe you're beating yourself up for being an impatient parent, for I beat myself up for the times when I yell at my children, you know? I'm, we're in a pandemic, we're stay at home with our children, right? We're not always at our best and I feel so guilty because sometimes, man, I just have to yell at my kids because they're at, you're like, I'm at the top of stress and I feel bad and I beat myself up. But that's not who we are. That's not where we stay. 
Because God is about fulfillment, living into your identity in Christ. And Jesus is coming. Emmanuel is coming. And we're waiting here for him, for the advent of Jesus Christ and Christmas. This Christmas, my challenge to us is, what is God calling you? Let's take some time of silence and in the Facebook Live um, comments, let's just pray out. Let's pray together. Let's pray out things that you are longing for or things that you're grateful for, uh, the ways that God is fulfilling fulfilling things and longings or cries um, or prayers, fulfilling those things in the process of fulfilling or things you want him to fulfill in your life. Let's take some time.